pursuing relationships, relationships on, on purpose. One of the things that our father wants is us become one. I want to do what pleases my father. We don't have to be instantly mature in everything to be loved. You got the love of God, you got the holiness of God. You got to marry the two because that's who and what God is. This is the Encounter Culture Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Encounter Culture Podcast, where we pursue relationship on purpose. I'm Josh Cote, your host, and so excited to sit down today with none other than Mark Hendrickson. If you're not familiar with who that is, well, he's an influential voice in my life and many, many others, author of the book, Supernatural Provision. Mark Hendrickson has been in my life for the past eight years or so and has just been a constant voice of truth and encouragement. And he's going to bless your socks off today as we dive into our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And not just how we relate to God or how he relates to us, but how do we go into the most deepest connections with God? How do we enter into the secret place where God's heart resides? It's something that Mark carries very well. So you're in for a treat today. I don't want to take up too much time on the intro here. When I come back, we're going to be sitting down with Mark Hendrickson. You're not going to want to miss it. The Encounter Culture Podcast is sponsored by Identity AV, audio and video resources where you are. They partner with churches and community organizations to help give participants the very best media experience, both live and remotely. From assessing your current setup to training your tech team, they provide expert advice and application to help you get your media to optimal operation. To discover how they do this and sign up for a free initial assessment, go to discoveridentity.com AV. This is the Encounter Culture Podcast. Welcome back to the Encounter Culture Podcast, where we pursue relationship on purpose. Honored to have in the studio with me today a man who has just been a wonderful father figure in many lives, including my own, Mark Hendrickson. I just love you so much. Thank you for being on with me today, Mark. It's an honor, Josh. You're a, you're a great man. For those that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you've come from, and, and what you're doing right now. Oh, my. Uh, so my father was a pastor, and so uh, I just became a minister mostly by osmosis. <laughs> how you like that? Uh, no, just like the Lord's hand on your life, you know how it goes, and he just kind of constrains you, and even without intentional purpose— the Lord has purpose, and he surprises you. Somewhere along the line, about 30 years old, I looked backwards on my life and said, well, I think I became a minister. And so one thing goes to another. And so over the years, I've been a carpenter. I've been a minister. I'm a married man of 46, so going on 47 years, four children, 10 grandchildren, all believers, going hard after God, everybody's sincere, passionate, God-fearers, God-lovers. I love that. What a legacy. Yeah. And now, tell us a little bit about kind of what you're involved with. And Well, I've been a believer essentially all my life, uh, and I've been in ministry most of my life, and I've been around 
I think almost all the moves of God since probably the early 60s, and uh, we could name them today, but that's not the purpose of our talk. But they've all been wonderful. I have no regrets, no wounds, no daggers that I carry. You know, just it's they've been all very strategic building blocks in creating a foundation for what I think the Lord is doing these days. The short of it is, I think for 2,000 years, we've tried to live our Christianity as earth dwellers, trying to get God to come down into our world and to meet us where we are. But Jesus said in John 17, 24, he says, Father, I desire that all those that you gave me would be with me where I am. Well, weren't the disciples already with him? No, he's talking about another level. Yeah, He's talking about learning to live in the heavenlies. Well, how do we know that's what Jesus was talking about? In John 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he says, uh, I am in heaven. That's Jesus' own words. Yeah. I am in heaven. Well, how could that be? He's talking to me face to face, toe to toe. He says, I've learned how to live in a different realm. Right. There are two realms. The heavenly realm, earthly realm happen simultaneously, and God... I believe in our day, in a very real way, and we could unpack that uh, in depth, <laughs> but in a very real way, he's wanting us to learn how to live in the heavenlies more really yes. than we have ever learned to live with him in the earth. Yes, and I, I think some of that's going to come out in our conversation. Okay. Yeah. I like it. So we're here talking about relationship, and, yeah. and that can go so many different ways. You know, yeah. we're pursuing relationship on purpose, and that is the Father's purpose, yeah. right? So we've talked on this podcast about many different ways we can steward relationship in community and with in marriages and family and this, that, and the other. But today we're going to talk about our relationship with our Father mm-hmm. and how we go after that on purpose. Yeah. Whenever that subject comes up, I get butterflies. Mm. My heart starts to burn a little bit. <laughs> and so uh, I think we're going to have some friends show up in our eyes today. I can already feel them starting to, starting to <laughs> They're culminate there already there. for me. Yeah. So share your heart on relationship with the Lord. Let's start in the beginning. Okay. God has dreams. He had a dream. Ephesians 1.4 says that God chose us in him from before the foundations of the world. So before there was dirt, he thought about you and me, and he was happy. He only has good dreams. His dream was, I'm going to make Josh coat. I'm going to make Mark. I'm going to make all the sheep in my hand, sheep in my pasture. You know, let's say it in a generic way. And he says, I got great thoughts for them. I know my thoughts for you. They're good and filled with hope. He has those wonderful thoughts, and so here he plops us out on the earth, and then, of course, we stub our toe big time, and we have what we call the fall. Right. And boy, did we fall. We fell from the image, the very image and likeness of God, down to just a mere earthling human. We fell down to just human status, only a lump of clay. We forgot I, I know Adam probably remembered, and I think Enoch got reminded from his grand-grand-grand-grand-grandpappy, Adam, because they were both alive at the same time. Right. And I think uh, Enoch got reminded, Grandpa, tell me, what was it like to walk in oneness? Oh, boy, I'm feeling that with you. I know, I see you. <laughs> what was it like, Adam? What was it like, Grandpa, to walk in oneness? 
with God in the cool of the evening. What was that like? Adam like, oh, that's so long ago. Mm. I'll tell you a few stories. But Enoch got a hold of that, and something got a hold of him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, I want that. And the Bible says he walked and talked with God to such a degree. I think he returned back to that level of oneness, of union with Mm. God. And God says, well, this is wonderful. So uh, I'm going to take you. You don't even have to go through the death process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just come around. Well, anyway, I think that uh, return from our fallenness is very much still the vibrant, passionate invitation of our Lord today. He says, it was always my dream that you'd walk in oneness just like me. John 17, Jesus says that you would be one with me and I and the Father and us and them and them and us, <laughs> just as Father, you and I are one. Yeah. He wants to homogenize us yeah. into oneness. Now, sadly, because we fell so far, like the frog in the boiling water type thing, right? we've gotten so acclimated, acclimatized to fallen status of being mere lumps of clay that it seems heretical to think of ourselves as walking in oneness with God. Now, we know it's true theologically. Right. We got that down, and we'd probably fight to the death, you know, over our theology. But how's it working experientially? Come on, man. That's our big hurdle. And when we talk about hearing from God, seeing God, partnering with God, moving into the heavenlies with God, it almost sounds heretical because it sounds like we're grasping for deity or something. And God says, yeah, yeah, this was my dream for you, that you'd put on royal robes of godliness, of godhood, godness, yeah, just like I wear. Jesus, the Bible says it, uh, we got the righteousness of God in Christ. He imputed, declared it, imparted it to us. Right. And uh, I don't think Jesus' righteousness was any shabby righteousness. <laughs> it was pretty Perfect. good righteousness. <laughs> yeah. And he says, that's what God says he sees in us and over us. And he says, come on up into that. Throw off your old, uh, stuffy, dusty clay garments that have kept you stodgy and stuffy and stuck. I like all those ST words. I don't know. They just came out. (laughs) Just let those fall away. There's a lot of fear, though, in our hearts because most of us, many of us, maybe because of our religious heritage and because of the ravages of the world, Mm -hmm. have kept us in the fear of failure, rejection, betrayal, whatever. And so we're afraid to step out of kind of the acceptable norms of our society and maybe our church world, but there's more out there, my friend. There's more in God's yes. uh, He's inviting us. Yes, that we would partake in the Godhead. Yeah. That would be partakers of the Godhead. Do you know that in the early church fathers, uh, I'm not sure it's in the first thousand years after Jesus, that there was a painter and he painted the Trinity. You can look this up, and I'm sorry I don't have the address or the name right here, but he painted a picture of the Godhead, and in the front of it, he put a little square, which was in those days a mirror. 
best they could do is a mirror with a mirror. And when you looked at this painting, there's the Trinity and you. And wow. the fulfillment of John 17 of coming into oneness with the Godhead. And like I said, that seems like light years away from our fallen mindsets that have permeated us and perpetrated on us a lie that we bought into and we'd learned to live by and kind of exist. Right. But when the, when our Father comes in and begins to warm us up with, first of all, his love and acceptance and affirmation, then fear. What happens to fear with perfect love? When perfect love, the old boogeyman of fear just boop, pop. Yes, it out, it? Yeah, he's gone. So then we come into oneness and so he's inviting us. So how do we go there? What's the first step? Well, the big hurdles are uh, to come out of um, kind of our normal cycles and our normal everyday life that are kind of tyrants to us. And they're not even bad. They're not even evil. They just tyrannize us into kind of busyness, and they keep us preoccupied so that we can't get in touch with our heart man, our spirit man. And uh, so they keep us living in the head. And our head's wonderful. But somebody has said uh, that a head is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. Hmm. The mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. What we're wanting to do is get in touch with our spirit man. So you say, well, how do I do that? I put together a document. I titled it Six Weeks to Breakthrough. Now, you might be able to get it on the first experiment, your first exercise. You might be able to. But I know this in proof in my life. Give me six weeks of being diligent. I will have a breakthrough. It just is historical in my life. And I don't know that it needs to take that long. Maybe I'm just a tougher nut to crack. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that give me six weeks and I can break over into something fresh and new. So if you're stuck, what is what does that entail? Well, first of all, uh, Exodus 3, verses 2 to 4. This is Moses. He's just doing normal life, just like we're talking about. He's doing normal life. He's tending his sheep on the backside of the wilderness, okay? And there he is out there, and he sees this bush. How are we going to make a parallel to today? Today, maybe you're listening to this podcast and something's stirring in your spirit, man, but it's pretty foreign. You don't know how to nurture it. You don't how to know how to awaken it. Well, here's Moses. He's just doing normal life. And he sees this bush that's burning and it's not being consumed. And here's the key word. Oh, this will get you. Get me right now. He turned aside. He says, I will turn aside. He left the normal schedules of life and the preoccupations, the pressings of life. He said, I will turn aside. Now he went over there and he was watching it. And it's just a good thing. And then here's the next part that's key. What did Moses do, first of all? Turn aside. That's what you and I have got to do somewhere in our life. You know, in, a, in, a, in sports, you know, the ref does his little timeout sign with his two hands, you know, makes the little T sign. Yeah. Timeout life, timeout world, stop the train, stop the locomotive. I have got to have a turn aside moment. Now, here's the good part. In verse four, verse three and four, then God begins to respond. 
And Bible says, and when God saw that Moses had turned aside, God said, do you want God's voice? Do you want to hear him fresh and new? You got to turn aside. Not religiously, not like punching out a quota, but something from the depths of your hungriest desire. Something from the depths of your greatest, you know, if you're a desperate man, then, then be motivated by desperation. If you're hungry, then be motivated by hunger. But turn aside and God looks. He sees it. According to this precedent in Exodus 3, God says, I saw that you turned aside, and I will meet you there. So first thing is, declare a timeout. Timeout. I've got to meet with God. And uh, our God is so good. When he sees that sincere, not formula-driven or religious-driven, but deep desire-driven, he will meet us there. Now, like I said, he may meet us on the first go-around, but just because he wants you to cultivate your hunger, he might wait a few times. He might say, could you do that again tomorrow? Could you keep doing that for a week or two? Could you set a pattern in your life? Could it become normal that you turn aside? And let me tell you what he promises to do. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord look to and fro across the earth to show himself strong to the one whose heart is completely his. What's he looking for? Formulas? What's he looking for? Religious duty? No. He's looking for a heart. This is God. All I want is you. Don Moen, many, many years ago, decades ago. <laughs> Sorry, this is bringing up some history. He wrote a song. And I just want to be where you are Dwelling daily in your presence I don't want to worship from afar Draw me near to where you are Can you feel the heart cry? Can you feel the desire that comes up from the deep places? And it's single. It's 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 uh, sincere. And it's down to the raw. It's down to the core. And it begins to burn and consume and overtake you. And God says, I won't stand afar off from that kind of a heart. You want relationship with him? Well, that's easy. Just say the sinner's prayer and you're related. That's no problem. You're loved. You're in. You're going to heaven. But 
Do you want vibrance? Do you want his presence? Do you want to feel the favor of God upon you and within you? Turn aside. That relationship will deepen and deepen. Let's just say it like this. You can't make God love you more because he loved you with all of his heart, giving his only begotten son when you were enemies to him. When you held your fist up, shaking your fist at God, he loved you as much then as he will ever love you. But as much as you can't make him love you more, you can grow in favor with him. Jesus, it says of Jesus, he grew in wisdom, favor, and stature in the eyes of God and man. Yeah. You can't make God love you more. Sinner's prayer, if that's sincere, you're in. Eternity, you're in. You want to walk in relationship? It's going to take some turning aside. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> You're talking about hunger. My stomach is over here going. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are birds of a feather. <laughs> We're having problems running down our cheeks, both of us. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> When we get together, tears flow, the Holy Spirit shows up, oil is everywhere. I mean, uh, your heart awakens when Mark starts talking about intimacy with the Father, and we don't have enough time on this episode to go any further, but we will continue the conversation next week in part two with Mark Hendrickson, so you'll definitely want to tune in again next week to hear the second half of our time together. And we look forward to that coming up on next week's episode of the Encounter Culture Podcast. We'll see you then.